connection card in there. And, and if you're a first-time visitor, we would love to, to get to know you letter. I'd love to write you a, th a little thank you note. And that connection card can be used for anyone that has a prayer request. Turn them into the wooden box in the foyer. We'll have people praying for you uh, this week and believing God for a miracle. So we have a lot of things going on this month. Our small group semester starts this week. And, and uh, you can go to our website, myflchurch.com. There's all kinds of groups. There's financial groups. We have Dave Ramsey Financial Group. We have marriage groups. We have prayer groups. We have all men's groups, ladies' groups. And so I hope that uh, you will humor me and join one, okay? Uh, people say, well, why do you do all this? And look, all the research has shown that people that are active in small groups do better spiritually. It, it, it's just, it, it's around, around the world, especially in America. See, usually what happens in America is we're so busy that usually if we just, if all we do is attend Sunday morning, we usually don't make more than two a month. Okay? Now, some of you do a lot better. Some of you do a lot worse. Okay? But who's, who's throwing judgment today? Okay? But see, you always sit in the same seat every week. So I know if you're here or not, you know. Uh, I'm tallying the attendance in this, this dome right here. Okay? Uh, also, we have a men's night out in two weeks. You can sign up online or out there for that. Again, that's just another way for men to get together and meet people. It's an interesting thing. Last time we had Macho Nacho Night and we were throwing axes out here. And I met two guys connected during that night. And do you know that um, one guy got a brand new job out of that? He was praying and asking God to give him a new job. He's having to work all nights. And uh, he met another man in the church, and his company's looking for work. Got him a job the next week. Better, better pay, better benefits, better hours. And, and so it, it pays to build relationships with people. Also, in two weeks, we're having, uh, we, we sponsor an orphanage here in Houston, Casa de Esperanza. And this week and next week, we're having a diaper drive. And so I hope that y'all will flood the church here with diapers. If you didn't bring it today, next week, and there's the first door on the left is a warming kitchen. You can just put all your diapers in there. And when our people go to do an outreach to them uh, on the 21st, they're going to take all these diapers with them and just bless, uh, just bless this, 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 these people as they care for these babies. How many of you know that when we help the less fortunate, God honors that. God honors that. He also honors when you bring tithes. But when, we, when we're giving to him and building his kingdom and we're taking some of what we've been blessed with, we've all been blessed, and we're helping the less fortunate, especially, especially the fatherless. Those orphans, I'm telling you, God will bless that and, and he will use us uh, to be a blessing. And it's just a, a blessing all the way around. Well, this morning... I'm finishing up a series uh, called The Laws of Success. So during the summer, I try to do a series where if, you, if you're out one week or two weeks or three weeks and come back, you, you can, you're still with us. Okay, the topics change every week. And uh, because I know people take vacations and summer's a busy time. So we've been, we've been doing The Laws of Success. And in this series, we're, we've been discovering the foundational principles. We're calling them laws that lead to success. And and basically, research shows, and if you just talk to your friends and neighbors and family members, most people, even though they've been given incredible gifts and talents by God, most people don't reach their full potential. And, and so if we're going to be here on, in this life, we might as well do the very best we can, and we might as well maximize the gifts that God has given us so that we can do what God has put us here to do. And all of us have been given things to do. 
And if we're not doing what God has asked us to do, it's hard for us to reach all the people that God wants us to reach. But two things here with this series, um, these, these foundational laws, all of them are internal qualities, things in us. So the thing about an internal quality, we can't control, uh, you know, how tall we are, what family we're born into, but we all can develop internal qualities that help us live better lives. And all these laws are also biblically based. We've been talking things about things like the law of vision. The law of vision says if you don't have a vision for your life, you'll never get to where you want to be. You have to know where you're going to actually get there. We've talked about the law of the mind or our thinking. And the thought is this, is that successful people think differently. They just don't give in to doubt and fear all the time. Uh, they, they're, they're filled with faith and optimism. They believe that God can help them through every, every struggle in their life. We talked about the law of sowing and reaping, which just simply says that if you don't like your life today, you need to change how you're living. What you do today, what you do this week determines what you get next week, next month, next year. So we can change our lives in the future by changing what we're doing in the present. We've, we've done so many of them, and today it's the ninth law. You can go back and listen to those if you want to. And, and law number nine is this, is learning how to partner with the Holy Spirit. Learning how to partner with the Holy Spirit. And uh, so many people today, so many Christians are living life without following the direction and having an intimate relationship with the Holy Spirit. So I'm going to talk about that today, show you in the Bible. We're going to read, we're going to read a lot of scripture today, show you where this is in the Bible that, that being filled with the Spirit, being led by the Spirit is just a normal Christianity. It's not strange. It's not weird. It's, it, it's what birthed the early church. And uh, then we're going to have a time of prayer and worship at the end. But I would say this, that there's more confusion in the church today about the Holy Spirit than any other aspect of the Christian faith. Maybe there's, there's some charismatic churches that uh, maybe they take some liberty with the Holy Spirit, and maybe you've been to one of those churches where, where you just say, man, it's wild. There's people running around, jumping off chairs, bouncing around, you know, all kind of things, and, and uh, more of the charismatic mode. And, and there's nothing wrong with that, but I think sometimes people get so excited about the Lord that maybe some of the things they're doing are maybe emotion and not the Holy Spirit. Okay? Now, the flip side of that is way on the other side, Way, way, way many more churches, what they do is they just neglect the topic and the aspect of the Holy Spirit altogether. They don't talk about the Holy Spirit. They don't teach about the Holy Spirit. If you ask any of their members what is the Holy Spirit, they couldn't even give you a definition of that. And by neglecting to teach biblically on the Holy Spirit and, and, and inspiring their people to follow the Holy Spirit, what they're doing is they're limiting their spiritual firepower. And you know, um, you don't see miracles. They don't even pray for miracles in many of these churches. And so there, there, there's got to be a, a biblical balance. And so if we're going to be successful in our spiritual lives, all of us, not just me, it's all of us, it's essential that we learn how to partner with the Holy Spirit. Uh, we have to learn how to communicate with the Holy Spirit. We have to learn how to follow the leadings and promptings of the Holy Spirit. Having an intimate relationship with the Holy Spirit will increase our ability to hear God's voice and to reach our potential. So let's do, let me go back in the scripture and we'll start in the Old Testament, work our way to the New Testament. And, um, you know, I always, before I teach on something or when I teach on something, 
uh, I always show that it's biblical first. And so if we know that it's biblical and we know that this is God's will for our life, then it's upon you whether you respond or not, right? Let's be honest here. How many of you, the Lord has told you something before and you knew it was the Lord without a doubt and you didn't, you didn't follow through with it? That's every one of us. If, if you didn't raise your hand, that, that's me too. A funny story, I had a pastor friend of mine one time, and he, he's speaking. His wife's sitting right here, and there's a lady he'd never seen before on the front row. And he's speaking, he's speaking, and the Lord told him to stop his sermon and go dance with that lady. And he's like, oh, Jesus, my wife, I, I'll go dance with my wife. He said, no, I want you to dance with that lady. Uh, I didn't think before I started telling this story, this may be confident, con- confrontational or or uh, what, what's the word? It's maybe not um, politically correct today, but I started the story, so I'm going to finish it. Please don't leave, okay? <laughs> and so, he, you know, he's going through his message, and finally he decides, well, God's not blessing my message. It's not going well. I'm going to go dance this lady. And he, he looks at Sambu and said, could you play some music? And he walked down there, and he asked this lady, Do you, um, would, you, would you just uh, humor me for a minute and follow my lead, and she said, yeah, I need to dance with her. You know, this lady came to church because her whole life she had been living uh, with another female partner. Her life, had not, her life had not been good. She wasn't happy, and she came to church because she just felt like God wanted to show her something. And her, the reason that she had lived the, the lesbian lifestyle was because she had been very hurt by men growing up. And when that pastor just simply obeyed and went and did that, even though it seems so unorthodox, and if you do something like that, you have to know it's God, okay? You have, if your wife's in the front row, you have to know it's God, okay? Um, but, you know, just during that little sequence, the Holy Spirit just touched her life, and she was emotionally healed. And her life was restored to Jesus Christ. That, that's an incredible story. And so what I'm saying is, I believe all the time when we're going through life, the Holy Spirit's trying to lead us and prompt us. And it may be something simple like, hey, your coworker's hurting. Why don't you just go encourage him? But if we're not following the leading of the Holy Spirit, it limits uh, what, what we can really do. So let's look at this. Joel 2, verse 28. All the scriptures will be on your screen. I'm going to read them really quickly. It says, and afterwards I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. So the book of Joel was written about 800 years before Jesus came to the earth. And he, if you read the book of Joel, he's really writing about the day of the Lord. It's a, it's a big theme. The day of the Lord. And, and um, on the day of the Lord or afterwards, in the future, after Jesus appears on the earth, I'm going to pour out the Holy Spirit on all people. So there's no distinction. You have to understand during biblical days, it was a patriarchal society. I know that's not popular today too. There's still many, most of the places in the world today, are, there's distinction between money, the family you're born into, gender, and religion. Over the majority of the world, that's still available today 
uh, still people live like that or are dominated by that. And in the biblical times, it was a patriarchal society. Women didn't have the same rights as men. Slaves did not have, slaves or servants did not have the same rights as a free person. And, and what, it, what does Joel say? This is just a liberation. Many times people say the Bible is, is a bondage book. No, the Bible is about setting all people free. All people free. So Joel says, I'm going to, the Lord's going to pour out his Holy Spirit. And it's going to be for everyone, for all people, for men, for women, for slaves, for, for free people, all people, rich, poor. And he, he says this, that the Holy Spirit's going to bring prophetic words, dreams, and visions. So what is the purpose of prophecy, dreams, and visions? To give instruction, wisdom, direction, and knowledge to show you something, to give you inspiration about something you previously did not know. That's what the Holy Spirit is. The language of the Holy Spirit is, is dreams and visions and, and getting to see the big picture. The Holy Spirit illuminates our big, our, our picture. How, how many of you, I do want you to raise your hand. I do want you to be honest. How many of you sometimes get, get tunnel vision in life and all you can see is yourself and your problems? I think we all do. You know, when I was in the military, we had these things called night vision goggles, and, and we would wear them, and we're driving vehicles, and we could see in the dark. But they always teach you. You, have, you just see a tunnel, so you have to keep scanning the horizon, or else you'll, you'll sideswipe something, run into something, hurt somebody. And uh, so we're going through life, and it's just human nature. It's not that there's anything wrong with us. We have tunnel vision on what we're facing, on what we're going through, on what we're trying to accomplish. And the Holy Spirit does this. He just broadens your perspective so you can see what other people need, so you can see what other people are going through, so you can see what God needs you to do. So it's to our benefit that the Holy Spirit is here in our lives. And the, the thought of this text is this. If you don't know the Bible very well, I'll just share this with you. In the Old Testament, we see glimpses of the Holy Spirit. But the, but the Holy Spirit did not dwell on the earth continually. So the promise from Joel is that I'm going to pour the Holy Spirit upon my people, upon all people, and anyone who wants it. And, and the Holy Spirit's going to dwell with you continually on the earth. I'm, Jesus said, I'm going to heaven, and I'm going to give you another spirit, another comforter to be with you forever the spirit of truth who will lead you and guide you. John, Luke 3, 16, it says this. John answered them all. This is John the Baptist. He says, I baptize you with water, but one more powerful than I will come, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie, and he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Acts 1, verse 3 through 5, it says, after, the, after, after his suffering, after Jesus was crucified, after he rose from the dead, he presented himself to them, his disciples, and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Now, so Jesus is he's teaching his disciples. He's fixing to ascend into heaven. And for 40 days, he's teaching them. And if you have 40 days left and you're trying to start a movement that's going to radically change the world, you talk about important things. So he talked about the kingdom of God, and then he gives his disciples a command. And I believe this command still holds true for all of us today. It, it says this. He says, do not leave Jerusalem. 
Now, they were wanting to go plant churches. They were wanting to go evangelize the world for Jesus. He said, don't leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So all the, his disciples he'd been teaching for, for three years, they saw the death, they saw the burial, they saw the resurrection, they saw his miracles, and Jesus told them, you're still not equipped to do great things. You need what you've heard me talk about. You need the promise of the Holy Spirit. You need to be baptized with Holy, in the Holy Spirit, and you need the Holy Spirit to empower you. Now we're going to move ahead 50 days from Jesus was crucified at, Passover, at the Passover feast, and from Passover to Pentecost is 50 days on the Jewish calendar. So now we're 50 days after after the Passover, Acts chapter 2, 1 through 4, it says, When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like a blowing, the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they, where they were sitting. And they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them, can you say all of them? All of them. Again, what was the promise of Joel? Everyone. Everyone, men, women, slaves, rich, poor, everyone, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. So being, being filled or baptized with the Holy Spirit enabled the disciples to increase their spiritual firepower. And they now began to leave Jerusalem and travel all over the world in churches in ministries, in people were brought to Jesus all over the Mediterranean world. But in the, that was the birth of the early church. Acts, Acts talks about the first few years of the early church, how it started, how it grew, how it exploded with growth and health and people being saved and filled with the Holy Spirit and healed and all kind of incredible things. That, the movement of the early church, it came directly following the outpouring of the Holy Spirit that was prophesied in Joel chapter 2. So that, that, that were, was, was, was the condition, the, this encounter with the Holy Spirit. And I'm just being honest today. And, 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 and again, when I present something, you know, none of you have to do anything. You, you, have, you have a choice. But I, I think it's very important. This is my Terry's interpretation. I believe the church has made a huge mistake today. I believe the church in America has made a huge mistake today. The church is all about leading people to Jesus, but we have stopped short of giving the people the power to live overcoming lives. The spiritual power we need comes from our relationship with the Holy Spirit. And, you know, you can attend, this is amazing, you can attend church across America, you can go to churches for months and months and never hear a single message on the Holy Spirit. And now if you're here, we have, we have a growth track, and in the growth track, which is how you join the church, we talk about that. And, 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 and so we and try to do this in, in various different ways. But we, I, I think, I think and, and I say this because I've, I've traveled all over the world, and, and I spoke, done conferences all over the world, and there's just, there's just a big difference in the Christianity in different parts of the world and Christianity in America. And this is my opinion. I think in America we've, we, we've become too cute with Christianity. We've become too cute. I mean, for people to come to church in America, you know, you've got to have free donuts and you have to have the best sound system. And, you know, you've got to have free stuff and it's got to be quick. We've got to get out of church quick. I mean, the NFL starts today. We've got to get out quick. 
How many of you know that if church, if, if we had, if something strange happened and the Holy Spirit just met us here this morning, which he's here already, and you missed your game, how many you know you'd probably still be better off? I think you'd be better off. I mean, come on, we got some Texan fans in here, right? That's some pain right there. You need church. You need the Holy Spirit. No, that wasn't a knock. That was just truth, right? As a matter of fact, if, you're, if you like any NFL team, there's just pain involved. I mean, listen, I've come to the conclusion that you can fast and pray all you want. God doesn't really care about your team that much. I've tried that for years and years, you know. But I mean, think about it. You know, we think we need, we need fancy screens and we need fancy buildings and cutting-edge technology. And there's truth in that because in America, I remember when we started our church and we were renting a, we were renting a daycare and we didn't have anything nice. Seriously. And people would come to the church and like, well, man, the church down the road, they have, you know, big screen, you know, they have all this and this, that, and the other. And, and it was funny. I would say, well, which one did you learn more from? But where we're going, isn't that a funny? That's just America. We want things big. We want things nice. We want, we, you know, and, and there's nothing wrong with nice buildings and fancy. There's nothing wrong with that. But you can have all that and be depleted of the Spirit of God. <clears throat> and we should be more worried about getting fed and, and, and really having God, uh, you know, t- touch our lives. Another interesting thing, it's very, very funny. When I, when I go to different, different countries, like I, I did a tour of, in, in Africa and Ghana several times, and every church I spoke in, see over here, there's certain denominations, and I know what certain denominations believe. And over there, it didn't matter if the church was Baptist, Assembly of God, Church of Christ, Methodist, they were all spirit-filled. They, they had the name up there, but they, they were just rocking, Right? And you know why? Because uh, without the Holy Spirit in our lives leading us and guiding us, I mean, sure, we're saved and we're going to heaven, but there's an added component that could really, really help us. One time I was, it was an Easter, Easter, it was many years ago, and some, some, one of our members, their family came with them to church. And so I was talking to them the next week and I asked them, well, hey, you know, did your, I used to ask people if they liked the church. Now I don't do that because my pain threshold is lower now, you know. But say, hey, did your, your family like the church? Well, said they did, but they said they preferred church light. I'm like, church light? Is that like Bud Light, Miller Light? I mean, what do we, I, I'm, I'm, I'm at a loss here, I, you know, help me. And they say, yeah, at their church, they don't talk about anything that gets in your business. You know, they go every once in a while, they, they, they meet for 45 minutes, they leave, everyone feels good about themselves. I mean, they still leave in sin and all that, but they feel good about themselves. And, uh, and, and so I, I said, well, so we're not, you know, I said, well, I'll take that as a compliment that we're not church-like. We're trying to help people. And people are hurting today. People are hurting. I talk to there's not a week goes by, I don't talk to people that are hurting. And if we're hurting, we need the Holy Spirit to help us. Uh, talking about church light, this brand new pastor, he graduated from seminary and he went to his first church and he was so happy. And so the first day, the first week he talked about, um, you know, he talked about the, the evils of alcohol and he just pounded it, man, the evils of alcohol, drunkenness and all this stuff. And so after, you know, 
he noticed that the congregation didn't respond too well. And afterwards, they, uh, you know, they, one of the deacons, the elders came and taught him and said, well, you know, Deacon Bob, he owns the, you know, the distillery here in town. And he gives a lot of money to the church. So we would really recommend that you not talk against alcohol anymore. And so the next week, he talked about the dangers of gambling. On Tuesday, the, elder, the elders meet with him again. I said, well, Deacon George, he owns the lotto shop down there, the casino. And again, he's one of the big givers in the church. We strongly admonish you not to talk about gambling anymore. So the next week, he talked about, about, about saving the wells in Antarctica. And nobody was offended and nobody was helped. Right? So I want to talk to you today, just really try to clear this, give you a picture. There's three, the Bible describes three relationships that all of us can have with the Holy Spirit. Everyone in this room has one of these relationships with the Holy Spirit. And I think it, help, it will help you understand when we get to the last point. I think it will be very, very clear. But the first relationship actually that everyone in the world has today is the Holy Spirit with us. The Holy Spirit with us. And this is before salvation, John 14. Uh, 15 through 18, 25, 26, Jesus said this, If you love me, you will obey what I command, and I will ask the Father. And he will give you another counselor to be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him because he lives with you and he will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. So this, this verse describes the two relationships the first two relationships that we can have with the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit with us before salvation and the Holy Spirit in us after salvation. John 16, 8 says this, but I tell you the truth, it's for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the counselor will not come to you. But if I go away, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. So before salvation... The Holy Spirit is in the world leading people to Jesus. Convictions, prompting, a hunger for Jesus. Uh, you know, everyone I've talked to and all of you in here, if you were to tell me this is the day I got saved, and I said, well, what led you to salvation? What, what? I, I just, I was feeling something. Uh, a curiosity welled up in me. Or I just became hungry to learn the truth about the Bible or about Jesus or there was something in you. See, that's the Holy Spirit. The job of the Holy Spirit is to lead people to Jesus. And even if you've never met Jesus, you don't have a relationship with Jesus, the Holy Spirit is still with you and he still puts people in your way. He still puts promptings in your heart to try to help you. Now, some people get to the point where they're so calloused that they've totally shut the Holy Spirit out. But all of you, uh, before you got saved, you would say there was something in you that was happening that, that was drawing you to learn more about Jesus, that was drawing you to attend a church, drawing you to somebody who was a Christian who led you to Christ. And that's, that's the, the Holy Spirit working in our lives before salvation. That's the Holy Spirit with us. The second relationship is the Holy Spirit in us, and this is that salvation. Again, John 14, 17, the world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him. For he lives with you and will be in you. 
Okay, so at the moment somebody gives their life to the Lord, the Holy Spirit comes and indwells their heart. The Holy Spirit is living in them. Now here's the deal. Some people are much more sensitive to the Holy Spirit than others. But he, he's there and he's, he's trying to, you know, you know, I was talking to a guy this week and he was talk, telling me about this dilemma that he has and with his family and there's this and that and the other. And, and he, he asked me, what do I do? Now, I've learned as a pastor, I quit telling people what to do because I don't want them to blame me for good or bad. And I don't want to ostracize them. But, he, but this person told me, I know what the right thing is to do. He has a decision, has a dilemma, has some things going on. But he said, I know what the right thing is to do. He knows what the right thing to do is because the Holy Spirit is, is working on his heart. Is any man working in his heart? And it's like all of us. Hardly any of us do something where we're like, man, I didn't know that was wrong. I didn't know that was a bad decision. No, we know it before, but sometimes we're acting before we're letting the Holy Spirit talk to us. We're just, we're, we're reacting, we're, we're, we're responding without really letting the Holy Spirit work us through the issue. John chapter 20, verse 19 to 22, it says, on the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together, the doors were locked for fear of the Jewish leaders. Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit in us. See, before Jesus died and resurrected, you could believe in God. You could believe in Jesus. But the sacrifice hadn't been made for you to be a Christian. And so at this time, this is the, the first Christians right here. They see, they believe, they receive what Jesus did for them. They receive the Holy Spirit. So at salvation, the Holy Spirit comes to reside within our hearts. He's no longer just with us on the outskirts trying to influence us. He's in us. And, and, and every person who's given their lives to Jesus, even a Christian that goes to a church that maybe never teaches on the Holy Spirit, or doesn't believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, they still have the Holy Spirit within them. The Holy Spirit comes to live within us at the moment of salvation. And so we, we see three relationships, the Holy Spirit with us before salvation, the Holy Spirit in us at salvation, the third relationship, and the one we were talking about that, that Joel was prophesying about was the Holy Spirit upon us, and we call that a baptism, the Holy Spirit upon us. Acts chapter 2, 1 through 4, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting, and they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them, again, all, everyone, men, women, servants, all of them, rich, poor, were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now I'm going to go through, if you go through the book of Acts, you know, um, after the day of Pentecost, there's still at least, what I counted, at least 16 references to people being filled with the Holy Spirit, uh, being able to, to speak in tongues, baptism of the Holy Spirit. There, there are 16 more references. I want to read a couple of them because they show the different levels of relationship. Acts chapter 8, 14 through 17. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to Samaria. 
So these people have, they've believed in Jesus. These people are now saved. They believe in Jesus. They believe what they were taught. It says, when they arrived, they prayed for the new believers that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit had not yet come on any of them. They had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John placed their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. Acts 19, 1 through 6. Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples and asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They answered, no, we, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. So Paul asked, then what baptism did you receive? John's baptism, they replied, and Paul said, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. And he told the people to believe in the one coming after him, that is, in Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. So the benefits of being baptized in the Holy Spirit, the the benefits of going from not just the Holy Spirit with us, not just the Holy Spirit in us at salvation, but the Holy Spirit upon us just in invading our life, being able to influence us, to lead us, to guide us on a, on a deeper level. What's the, what's the benefit of being baptized in the Holy Spirit? And, and there's one simple one. There's more, but for the sake of time, I'll just give you one. Uh, additional power in the life of believers. Additional power. Again, Acts 1, 5, 8, it says, this is what Jesus told them. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Jude verse 20. There's only one chapter in Jude. Jude verse 20, it says this. But you, dear friends, must, must build each other up in your most holy faith. Pray in the power of the Holy Spirit. So, again, strong ad- commandments and admonishments. Uh, about the importance of having this third level relationship with the Holy Spirit. So, you know, being filled with the Holy Spirit, it's not just about speaking in tongues, but it certainly includes speaking in tongues. Um, I had one person come to me and said, man, Terry, I want, I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, but I don't want to speak in tongues. And I said, oh, well, okay, okay. I mean, how do you pray for that? God, give them part of the Holy Spirit, you know. I, you know, I didn't know. So... I knew why. I knew why. I was like, well, tell me why. Because I was raised in a church that did that and people were weird. Hey, listen, being filled with the Spirit and being able to speak in tongues does not make you a mature Christian. I have seen tongue-talking people, Christians, do some really terrible things. Okay? Uh, there's some other, the other issues. And then I asked them, Another person said, well, Terry, it's just unnatural. If I want to learn another language, I'll take Babel, you know? I, I mean, it just seems so unnatural. And so I, here, here's what, here's Christianity in the beginning, all of it is unnatural. When the Bible tells you to forgive those who persecute you, I don't feel particularly comfortable with that. But God asked me to forgive people, so I do that. When you start forgiving people, it becomes easier to forgive other people. You become less critical, and you don't get offended very easily. You just let things roll off, roll off your back. You know, the, just a simple illustration, when you first start riding a bike, it feels unnatural. Right? You wreck. 
I know some of you dads, you think you're good dads, so you just run miles and miles so your kid won't fall. <laughs> hey, if you let them fall, they'll get the hang of it quicker, right? I mean, you got, you got to crash a little bit. And when you get, when you, it's just that's the same way with a Christian. When you start reading the Bible and obeying it, when you get filled with the Spirit and just start praying in the Holy Spirit, uh, the more you do it, the better you get at it. And after a while, you move from, you know, when you're riding a bike, you move from training wheels to, to just two wheels. And then if you're a boy, you ride most of the time on one wheel, the back wheel, right, doing wheelies. You jump in ramps. You get a bigger bike, you know. You go mountain. So all these things. And so when we get filled with the Holy Spirit, yeah, you say, yeah, it may be a little, it may feel a little bit unnatural in the beginning. But as you begin to use it and pray, it, it just becomes like any other thing. You, it just it's a tool in your tool belt. You learn how to use it, and it's very effective in your life. If the, the band could come on up, but I want to end with this. I told somebody, somebody told me, well, I'm afraid if I get prayed to feel, be filled with the Holy Spirit, I'm going to, I don't get some demon or something. I was like, look, look, I, I read this scripture to him. Like, look at this. Matthew 7, verse 7 through 11. It says this, keep on asking, and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives. Everyone who seeks finds. And everyone who knocks the door will be open. And then he addresses parents. You parents, if your children ask for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone instead? Now I know the parents in here. I know the parents in here, right? You give your kids way more than they need. Right? Rack up that credit card debt. FPU is waiting for you this week. Starts this week. But you know what I'm saying? Every parent wants to give their kids good gifts. Am I right? So if they ask for bread, you're not going to give them a stone. Um, then, then it goes on to say, or if they ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give good gifts to those who ask him. So if you ask the Lord, God, fill me with the Holy Spirit, he's going to fill you with the Holy Spirit. If you ask him to help you with anger issues, he's going to help you with anger issues. You say, God, just give me peace this morning. Give me faith this morning. He's going to give you peace and faith. You don't ask God for something good and he gives you something bad. That, that's ridiculous. So where we've been talking about the Holy Spirit and the importance of that, if you're saved, and I believe most all of you probably are, you already have the Holy Spirit in you. Now you just need to activate that and say, man, God, I want everything that you have for me. I want everything that you have for me. Would you stand with me today? And here's what we're going to do. We're going to open up the altars just to pray for anyone who says, man, Terry, I need to be filled with the Spirit. I need, I need this third relationship with the Holy Spirit activated in my life. I need to be able to pray in the power of the Holy Spirit. I need the Holy Spirit to influence my life more. I need more sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. In just a minute, we're gonna ask you to come forward. And I'm gonna ask our prayer team and actually any of our members who are filled with the Spirit, who, who just, they love praying for you to feel the Spirit, you can come down too. The worship team is just gonna lead us in worship this morning. So you, if you don't need prayer, just worship. If you're here this morning and you said, man, Terry, I've never given my life to Jesus. I have the Holy Spirit with me on the outside, 
but he's not yet even living in my life because I haven't asked Jesus to come into my life. If that's you, I, I would like for you to come up this morning too. We'd love to pray for you. God, we just pray this morning that your altar would be filled with the anointing. God, just as you told your disciples, don't go anywhere. Don't leave Jerusalem. Don't go anywhere until, until you're filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. God, I pray this morning that the Holy Spirit is just, God, is just in filling our hearts this morning. In Jesus' name. We'll take a moment to pray and then I'll dismiss in just a minute. I'm if you need prayer, come, come quickly. I'm going to see a victory for the battle belongs to you, Lord. I'm going to see a victory. I'm going to see a victory for the battle belongs to you, Lord. Come on, lift up your hands. I'm going to see a victory. I'm going to see a victory for the battle belongs to you, Lord. Come on. I'm going to see a victory. I'm going to see a victory for the battle. For the battle belongs to you, Lord. won't prosper in the darkness fall it won't prevail cause the God has served no soul he had a triumph my God will never fail my God will never fail come on I'm gonna see a victory I'm gonna see a victory for the battle belongs to you, Lord. I'm gonna see a victory. I'm gonna see a victory for the battle belongs to you, Lord.
turn it for good. Come on. You turn it for good. You take. You take what the enemy meant for evil. And you turn it for good. You turn it for good. You take what the enemy meant for evil. And you turn it for good. For the battle belongs to you, Lord. I'm gonna see a victory. I'm gonna see a victory. For the battle belongs to you, Lord. I'm gonna see a victory. I'm gonna see a victory. For the Of your Holy Spirit, God. We're thankful 
that you didn't leave us when you went back to heaven, but you left the Holy Spirit just to touch our lives, to just invigorate our lives. And I pray that the Holy Spirit, Lord, teach us to be more sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Teach us to trust the Holy Spirit. Lord, give us the faith to obey the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. And God, I just pray a blessing over your people today. God, bless our people financially, relationally, emotionally. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you, church.